Hey, this is Rabbi Zev Bannett. You're listening to the Daily Halacha Kabbalah Machshava podcast series. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you want more content like this, head over to www.yesodblocks.com where you can subscribe for $9.99 a month and join our growing Yesodblocks community. You get access to all kinds of content. Uh, we're constantly developing new series on the, on, the, on the website in order to give people more exposure to the depths of the world of Torah thought, which is uh, incredibly broad and incredibly profound and incredibly deep. And lastly, and probably most importantly, incredibly integrated, because that's really what this is about, showing how all the parts fit together and how to understand where everything goes so that the Torah, the machine that is Torah, turns on and actually starts to operate for you the way that it was meant to, as opposed to just being a very dry, random list of laws or rules or uh, uh, random ideas. Also, check out on iTunes and on Amazon, we have an album that came out recently called Tikkun Hayasod. It's using these same integrated Torah frameworks to deal with the dark side of the internet, the world of pornography. Uh, you can check it out there, or if you subscribe at Yesodblox, you can also get access to it on the platform, because everything that's on, everything that we've created is on Yesodblox.com, although you can also get it sometimes elsewhere. And by subscribing, you also support our ability to continue to make content like this and spread Torah into the world so we can bring Hashem's presence back to where it was, where it's supposed to be, where it once was, which is the entire point uh, of the Torah and of our lives, uh, all of humanity's lives, actually, at this point. So uh, come join us on that journey as we try to bring the world back to that place. This particular episode, we are in Siman Memvav in the Shulchan Aruch. The Halacha Kabbalah Machshava podcast series is all about taking halachos and digging deep to figure out where they fit into the larger framework of Torah thought. So we go through each halacha and try to walk through from the surface level, which is the what to do, which is a very easy, very easily taught uh, part of the story. Uh, to walk all the way through that to the roots, which is uh, uh, the root of what this means and what it's for and how it's, how, it, how it's part of the larger mechanics of the frameworks of Torah. So we're in, again, Siman Memvav, which is 46, and we're up to Sif Dalid, which is Halacha number 4. Tzarach Levarich Bechol Yom. A person should say a bracha, the, the following brachos every day. Remember, brachos are consciousness trigger phrases that we say in order to connect events or aspects of our, of our experience and our physical life to the underlying perceptions and consciousness of Hashem's presence and Hashem as the root of being. Tzarech Levarech B'chol Yom, we're supposed to say these brachos every day. What are they? Shaloh Asani Goy, that Hashem did not make us uh, not part of the Jewish nation. Shaloh Asani Aved, that Hashem did not make us servants. Shaloh Asani Isha, that Hashem did not make us women. So obviously that third one is targeted specifically towards men. And we're going to see there's a bracha that women make. Um, and here the Ramah adds, Even if you are a person who joined the Jewish people after you were born, which is the idea of a ger, often not well translated as something, something called a convert, which is a much more religious, technical type of language that's used by uh, other by religions, let's say like Christianity, talking about converting. A ger is someone who, who decides they want to join this people and become part of their level of responsibility. Uh, so there's a lot to talk about with that, but we're going to kind of leave that alone for now. He says you can still make those brachos even if you were born not part of the Jewish people and you subsequently joined that level of responsibility. You should not say the bracha if you are a ger that says, um, thanking Hashem for not making me into a, a person who is um, an obeyed kochavim, which is uh, uh, also a type of non-Jew. We're going to kind of skip over this part for now. Uh, the point is that there are certain kinds of brachos you're supposed to make uh, in order to say, thank you for not making me a certain way, and basically these are kind of like uh, processes of describing what, that we're thanking Hashem for what it is that we actually are. 
And then we have one last detail here, which is And women say the bracha that they say, thank you to Hashem for making them according to his will. So before we actually analyze this halacha and these brachos specifically, I want to just give a little bit of a backdrop here to this overall halacha. So in today's society, we have uh, a little bit of a problem here. There's a, a set of perceptions and perspectives that are kind of floating around culturally, and they're being perceived as if they are somehow a new approach or a new understanding where now we finally get it. And now we finally understand, you know, where things are where, where things are wrong or where things are bad and in certain areas of ideology. And so I'm just going to explain a little bit about how to think about what goes on today in terms of areas of things like gender and differences between races or differences between uh, uh, nations and, you know, these things that are, that are constantly being thrown around and being discussed. Everyone nowadays is being described as sexist or as racist or as uh, homophobic or as transphobic. or These are very popular terms that exist uh, that, are, that, are, that are being uh, magnified and utilized heavily in various uh, contexts, especially on the internet. So just to give a little bit of a backstory of how to, to think about these things in a Torah way, which is really not a small issue, um, because very often we sort of say to ourselves, well, this, you know, this particular cause, let's just say, you know, the cause of racism or the cause of sexism, let's, let's actually just focus on sexism. It's the easiest one for our purposes here, because uh, we're talking about differences between men and women right now in this particular halacha. So the, the the discussion of, of, of men versus women, uh, it sounds like the discussion is a very positive and healthy one taking place in society, because how could it not be? I mean, we're trying to help make sure that women are not being downtrodden and, and abused by men, and so of course that's a good thing, uh, and so that's, you know, that's all that's being said. The tricky part is that there's actually a few other things being said here, and we're going to see exactly which ones deviate from the Torah itself and which ones are actually in harmony with the Torah, and once you can sort of see that, then instead of just getting swept up in the preference-oriented perspectives of society in terms of these issues, we can actually go towards a truth orientation and actually have a clear lens and set of perceptions about these things so as not to get confused by all of these currents that are floating around in the society. So the beginning of that is just understand that the Torah is a map of existence. Uh, and if it's a map of, ex- of existence, what that means is that it's, and it's meant to help us to undo the distortion dynamic of the Eitz Adas. As we discussed many times in the series, the Eitz Adas creates this possibility that human beings can develop perceptions of existence and of reality that are a function of their preference as opposed to a function of actual reality. And we have this ability to do that. We can focus on what it is that we want to focus on and see what it is that we want to see, as opposed to seeing the totality of a situation or the totality uh, of a dynamic in the world. And so the Torah, the way that it, that it combats that is that it's a map of the totality. So that means that the Torah does not follow the, the particular preferential currents uh, of what it is that we are used to seeing or thinking about. It just says what is, and it says it constantly without any uh, frills and without any allowance for those kinds of shifts and currents in culture. And so to give an example here of how that fits into you know what we're talking about with male and female, so Hashem made the, the male and female dynamic pretty different, and we're gonna just, let, let's, let's just articulate exactly what that difference is. The way the Chumash describes the process of, of generation of male and female is that first there was just this total being called Adam Arishon. This is in the Chumash itself, and the Medrash essentially um, articulates this. You can also find this in various places in the Talmud, where originally the creature that we call the human being was actually uh, contained male and female attributes within itself in oneness, in a unity. And then they were separated. So the way that the Medrash looks at this, and it says essentially that when human beings were created, so they were made of two uh, components. There was 
the the raw material, which we're going to call, just to use the Medrash language, you can call it dust. You can call it the raw material, physical material of the earth, of the ground, of the physical world. And that's that's 50% of what makes up the human being. And then the other 50%, uh, for purposes of explanation, at least, it's not really 50%, but for purposes of this discussion, the other 50% was made up of Hashem's consciousness. And so you have this this fusion, this hybrid of a physical being with a with a consciousness intangible component. We discussed this particular dynamic pretty frequently, as it as it really uh, it is the cause of the struggle that we constantly face, in which we have to figure out whether to identify ourselves more as our bodies, more as our physiological, our emotional, our 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 brain level components, versus truly identifying ourselves as the root of who we really are, which is this consciousness self that is irreplaceable, immortal, immutable, intangible. And so that's how the human being was initially generated. This this breakdown of fifty fifty. Uh, uh, and then after that, the text describes how, um, this is again in Parshas Bereshus, how Hashem separated that, that being into two pieces. And one was what we call male, one was called female. And the female dynamic the, the, what was, was constructed uh, sort of like as, a, as she was taken from the male. So you can think of it as like the, the original being was kind of, kind of sitting there. And then Hashem takes part of it uh, and removes it from there. And now that, that thing that he removed becomes its own entity. So that's exactly the way the text describes it. Hashem took a piece of the, of the human that, uh, that was there and then built it out into a female, into a woman. And so the way the Medrash understands that is, well, the original human was created 50-50, 50% from the ground, 50% from Hashem. And then the other, the, the, the next human that was created was actually created from that original human. So in that second human, what we call a, a woman or an Isha in the, in the text there, her, her, that was actually her name, her name was Isha. She's made of 50% Adam, 50% man, which itself is 50% ground, 50% Hashem. And then Hashem took, he added to that another another um, fragment or another burst of his own self, of his own consciousness to her, which means that the the this world side of her was 50-50 already. It was basically 50% um, uh, uh, from the ground and 50% from Hashem's consciousness. That's what she got from the 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 Adam creature, the, the the male that she was taken from, she got a composition that was already 50-50. And then Hashem filled the, the, the other half of her with just his consciousness, which means the total proportions of consciousness in a woman, uh, in that Isha, were 75% Hashem consciousness, 25% uh, sort of like, you know, raw material of the physical world. So the, the Medrash and all of Halacha and all of the Kabbalah concepts in the in the you know, the world of Kabbalah literature, relate to the female structure as being inherently more uh, resonant with Hashem's self than the male structure. You can think of it as if the body and its, uh, and its components are a casing, are, are a structure that, that the nishama, the consciousness fragment, is manifest through and is tethered to and sort of shines through. So you can think of the woman's, the female um, structure, is more transparent and more, it's thinner, it's essentially less opaque and allows the divine light of the neshama to shine out more easily and more brightly than the male structure, which is much more opaque and is literally 50% uh, uh, 50% physical screening, blocking out the other 50%, which is the divine light that is the person's very self, the person's consciousness, the essence of you. And so there is some variance to this in the actual world, in the real world, you know, sort of the way things play out, that different men and different women have different amounts of blockage, different amounts of uh, opacity, different amounts 
uh, of screening that come from their body. But the point is that the model the Torah uses is that, is that the female is inherently more resonant and more connective than the male in, in, a, in a spiritual sense. We find this all over the, the Medrash, all over the Torah also. And this is also what underlies, the, at least partially what underlies, the difference in halacha uh, that exists for male and female. So here, the... In, this, in, the, in these brachos, that's going to basically track and reflect that difference in dynamics. So the, the main takeaway right now that I would like to just, you know, uh, press here is that the Torah has been describing and discussing male-female dynamics for, you know, since the beginning of time, essentially. It is, it is a map of those things that has always existed, and it has existed in its totality. There is no new information here uh, that has not already been known forever. So this, this, this approach nowadays, which basically comes to say that there has been a, an abuse perpetrated by men against women in society, and that's something which, you, you know, there's a lot of different terms for that, and therefore, women now need to fight back against that abuse to make sure that they have equality. And there is some truth to that. There are situations in different places in society where there were um, inequalities, where people were you know, not being treated properly, were being bullied or abused. But the Torah does not make a distinction there and say that's a male-female issue, that men are inherently about doing that to women, and women have always been getting the short end of the stick throughout history, and that that is a normal thing, or that, that, and that, that now suddenly today we've realized it's actually not normal and that needs to be stopped. So the Torah does not have an outlook like that. The Torah, there, there are, throughout history, there have been many women who have been in positions of power throughout different cultures, different other, other nations throughout history. There have been powerful queens, powerful uh, leadership that was female. If there's a particular, um, you know, let's say in America, if there was a lack of the right to vote, there were particular time periods in which certain uh, rights were were abrogated or were or were nullified or were simply didn't exist for women versus men. Then those would be situations where the Torah would say that is actually part of the curse uh, of what happened in the end of the story of the Garden of Eden. The curse there was that uh, it says there that when things go wrong between male and female, then the males will try to rule over the females and the females will try to connect to the males and will create these big power imbalances. That is actually a curse that exists in in in, in, in society and in and in male female dynamics that is meant to be overcome. And so whenever there were time periods where female dynamics began to, to press forward and say, we want to undo that curse, we want to create a proper equalized relationship between male and female, then that was obviously always a healthy thing, simply reflecting the Torah's uh, uh, description of what was meant to be, what should be already. And so the Torah constantly has uh, you know, a, a map articulating that there is supposed to be an equal relationship where male and female operate as partners. They are different in different certain ways, and their differences act to complement each other and to create a greater whole that we call Adam. That's why at a wedding, so there's, there's, we say brachos about, about Adam at the wedding because uh, Adam means in Torah and in Halacha that it represents male and female together as a unit because they come together to unite and they then complement each other fully and, and present a total human being. So in the Torah literature, Torah map, uh, you're a full human when you have a male and female coming together, committing to each other to reunite and to come back to what was what once was. What once was was that male and female used to be one, then they were separated, and now they have to return to each other. And when they return to each other, their, their creativity is fully unleashed, and that is the form of bringing in new fragments of consciousness into the world, what we call children. And so that's, uh, that's the process of male-female uh, reuniting 
as a, re as a response to the original separation that took place in the story of the Garden of Eden. So what all that does is it sort of shows us the Torah's map is taking as a given that we're, we're not just as a given, it's articulating and it's and it's describing that male and female are meant to work as partners. And the in every in every society where there, where there was some kind of strife or imbalance or or damage to one or the other of the genders, it was because there was some kind of distortion, an Eitzadas perspective where people followed certain preference uh, oriented perspectives and then they used that to abuse other people who were weaker than them in various ways. And that's something which has happened throughout history. Men have done that to women for sure because men clearly have certain uh, uh, advantages that women lack, like men have greater physical strength. So it's very easy to abuse a woman if, if you're a strong man because men have physical uh, physical advantage. On the other hand, there's also plenty of times throughout history that women abused men as well because women also have uh, power over men. And th th that power has to do with the, the, the attractive dynamic that, that, that men feel towards women. Women are very aware of that. And there are plenty of times throughout history where women used that power to pull men into, into places that were very uh, unhealthy for them. We have these examples in the Tanakh itself. And throughout history, there have been many stories uh, about women using that power to manipulate men and to get things that they want uh, that are damaging for those men or for other people. And so the Torah does not have this map of, well, men are inherently abusive of women or anything like that, or that women are inherently abusive of men. The Torah always works with the same perspective. The perspective is that people are meant to operate in harmony with each other. Each of us is a neshama, an endless self, and we all actually are connected. We are really one self, linked. And then we have these bodies which separate us, which tell us, oh, I'm actually separate from you. And that's also a true perspective. We are, we experience ourselves as individuals, as other from each other, even though underneath we are really all one self. And then the goal is for us to use our bodies and our differences in the traits and attributes of our bodies to connect through the bodies and to become one and to become a team where each body in its differences can actually contribute something unique. And that will be the particular unique signature of that particular neshama. So, you know, if you have one person who's an accountant and one person who's a financial analyst, so they're very different on the, on the tools level, but on the neshama level, they really are oneself. And so what they want to do is they want to get together as a team and work together to actually create a greater whole where now their neshamos can actually unite and work as, you know, in, in unison to create something greater. And that's a very small level example, but if a, a male and female, it's, exactly, it's that time, you know, to the nth degree. And so the idea there is that male and female have very different, have some differences in their attributes, and they're meant to work together to unite on the neshama level by taking those, those physical and physiological and body level differences and actually combining them to create something greater, which is the totality, the whole that we call uh, Adam. And so there is nothing new today in terms of the, uh, the, the, the figuring this stuff out. In other words, when people start talking about um, the idea that male and female need to work together, that is a reflection of the Torah's perspective. When people start to, t to focus in on how men are toxic, which is a popular perspective nowadays. That there's that, and that, that there's something called toxic masculinity, or that men are con that men are trying to constantly uh, control women, and that there is this this group of men that just cover the earth, the patriarchal group that are trying to control women. So that is a very big generalization. That also not only is it is it, if that was true then it would be an incredibly destructive thing. And the question is, of course, well, you know, what, is it useful to generalize about entire groups of people based on their, their physical attributes and then make statements about them that are value statements? That is a very dangerous thing. Historically, that has always ended badly for human beings. And so the Torah says um, there are people and each person in the world needs to be careful of not using their power to harm other people who are weaker than them in that power and instead to try to find ways 
to work together with those other people and to build things together. So the question needs to be asked with these things as well when you when you call men inherently patriarchal power grabbers or abusers in that kind of language. So what is, is that a Torah thing to say? And the answer to that question is unequivocally no. That is a violation of what the Torah's map is of existence. Men are not, are not that. And if someone starts describing women in that same way as women as being... Um, you know, power grabbers or manipulators or or people who are just trying to take advantage of men for their own uh, usage. So that would be exactly the same problem. And that also actually is taking place because many men are reacting badly to the cultural trends here and are saying, well, uh, women are quite harmful as well. They can cause tremendous damage because they can use their power and their position, which many women have plenty of power and position, to harm other men or to harm men in general. And so what this creates is it creates uh, strife between the, the genders, which is very, very damaging because the genders are supposed to work together. And in fact, only by coming together can they even achieve the original form of what it means to be a human being. And so these brachos are actually about that because the Torah does not come from a place of the, you know, this, this new realization that these biases are taking place. The Torah assumes there's a curse and there's something called the Eitz Adas and it causes damage and creates these distortions. And then it wants to remind you exactly what the truth is. So first of all, the whole bracha language is about that. But here we have these brachos about Shalosani Goy, Shalosani Avid, Shalosani Isha, which this is for the brachos that men say. And they say them because each of these brachos represents an increase in responsibility. A person who is not part of the Jewish family who has not committed to being a part of that, has less responsibilities in the process of bringing Hashem's consciousness into the world. That's the first bracha. So we're saying thank you. We're appreciating the fact that we actually have more responsibility, which, by the way, not so easy to do. We tend to wish that sometimes we had less responsibility, and the brachos here ignore that. They don't care that people would rather have an easier day or an easier time. They want us to have a full, meaningful, creation-oriented day where we build what we're meant to build. And obviously, we need to take breaks to rest sometimes, but that is not the goal. Our goal is not to feel that we have less to do and less responsibility and to feel like things are easier. And so the first bracha here is that is to thank Hashem that we have more responsibilities than someone who's not part of the Jewish family. We want those responsibilities. Even if we don't feel that we want them, we're tired of them because if you're having a hard time, maybe we need to rest a little bit, but we're supposed to want them fundamentally and to value having them, which is what this bracha is. Similarly, Shalosani Aved, and Aved also has less responsibility than a person who's part of the Jewish family. It's also a halachic status category. Uh, Avadim have less, less mitzvot obligations. And the last one is an Isha, who has also less responsibility, but again, this is in, a, in an ascending order. Uh, an Eved has more responsibility than a Goy, and an Isha has more responsibility than an Eved. And so we're basically, we're building this tower of, of appreciating our responsibilities as men, but women also build that same tower for the first two brachos, appreciating their responsibilities as someone who is not a Goy and someone who is not an Eved. The idea here is to basically accumulate a consciousness of our gratitude for having these responsibilities and to build that perspective. And if we did that, then we would no longer think thoughts about how, you know, it's uh, it's hard to be uh, a Jew or something like that. That's a very popular type of phrase that have been, has been thrown around for, for decades, at least, if not, if not centuries, um, because we have a purpose here. We're here to do something. Uh, and then the last bracha here, the last part, which is the bracha that the brachos that women say, instead of saying thank you for not for thank you for giving me more responsibilities and not making me an isha, is shasani kirtsono, and that really is a reference to what we mentioned earlier, which is that it's thanking Hashem or developing the awareness with Hashem, uh, which is the same thing that uh, that they are made more in harmony with Hashem's ratzon, with Hashem's will. That's exactly what that bracha means, because a woman is again on, on the on the model level, on the archetype on the archetype level. A woman is supposed to basically be structured as more resonant and more connective and less 
the, the shell that blocks her divine energy or divine light from shining into the world is thinner. And so that's what Shasani Kirtono means. It means that you have made us more in alignment and more in harmony with your Ratzon. The concept of Ratzon, that means Hashem's will that is, that is, uh, that is the underpinning, the pervasive light that actually manifests as all existence. That's what Ratzon always means in, in Torah language. It means the will that is now shining through. You can think of it as, 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 as um, synonymous with the light of Hashem, the light of consciousness as it shines into the world and then actually manifests existence. The female is more in harmony and more in sync with that naturally because the blockages are much, much thinner. And so that's the meaning of those brachos. And in different time periods, you know, they're, they're, just to stress this last point, in different time periods there was more... Uh, there was less focus on these things. There was more focus on these things. The Torah always has exactly the same focus. It says this is the difference in dynamics. Uh, people have, people will struggle with these perspectives because of preference-oriented lenses and perceptions. There's a curse of male and female because of the Eitz Hadas story, which then leads to these divergences between the two genders. And there's a, there, the Torah is a constant... Uh, uh, you know, block against getting too sucked into those perceptions and getting confused about them and instead constantly ma maintaining a level of clarity of the role of male and female, how they're supposed to work together and how that should look. And, um, and you know, obviously male and female ha can have as much autonomy and free will to choose the paths they want, but they shouldn't be choosing that to cause damage to each other, to look at each other as threats, because that is, not only is that a false perception, uh, it's also incredibly damaging and destructive to the fabric of society, which requires male and female to actually work in harmony and in synchrony with each other. And so that's what these brachos are meant to represent. Hope you enjoyed that. Thanks again for listening, for tuning in, and uh, please again check out yoursodeblocks.com and subscribe over there if you want to support what we're doing. And looking forward to having you join me for the next episode.